In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, today we're going to get into the mailbag a little bit. We got four different questions we're going to get to, some four great questions that came in from listeners that we wanted to to take some time and just spend devoted to you, the listener, to finish out this year. This is the final episode of 2019. It's been a, a great year, wonderful year. And I know recently, Barbara and Phil, you guys had a, a customer appreciation uh, event that you just held, right? We did. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we it was. It was a really good turnout. And we had, oh gosh, I'd say probably 230 people there or so, wasn't it, Phil? Mm-hmm, yep. And um, yeah, so we, you know, for the those listeners that are our clients, we just want to take this time also to say thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate your faith in us. And um, we're, we're just really happy that we had people come, uh, so many people come to this event. And we really appreciate all of you. There's many of you that uh, came up and talked with either Phil or I or Philip, uh, one of the girls afterwards, and uh, just, you know, talked about how much you appreciate us. And so we like to hear that because the good feedback is what helps us continue to do what we are doing because uh, it makes for happy clients. We have some good camaraderie going. No, in fact, it's great to hear something else besides, gosh, the market's down, Phil Bart. What are you going to do about that? You know, uh, <laughs> when it, whenever they Give me come, some money. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm coming back to the office to get some more money. But, you know, it, yeah, it was a tremendous, uh, tremendously encouraging time. Got great comments from all of our clients. And, and you know, we, we really consider it a privilege to serve our clients' needs. It's been a real honor. We don't take it lightly. It's a huge responsibility that we accept here, and we do it with great uh, consideration. So thank you very much, everybody out there for having the, the confidence in us going forward here. That is true because they do have a choice. They can go anywhere. They could. So, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to believe the year is already coming to a close. It's been another great year, uh, fast year, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm glad I'll be able to join you both on the podcast. And if you haven't listened before, or you aren't a client yet uh, over at Pathfinder Wealth Management, Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky, they are here every episode of the Retirement Pathfinder, and you can find them online at pathfinderwealth.com. You can also call them at 815-399-9806 or serving all of the Rockford area. And uh, it's been a great year, and we appreciate everyone that's been a part of this podcast and also clients uh, over at Pathfinder. So let's answer some questions uh, that we got from listeners who have been part of the show. And we got four today that I want to go through that cover a variety of topics, but I think all very good information. So Let's start off with uh, one coming from Norm, who asks, how much risk is appropriate to take with my investments now that I'm retired? I'll, I'll take that one, Ben. Well, uh, Norm, that is a good question. Um, you know, is risk really necessary when you retire? And if so, how much? Well, the amount of risk that you take when you're retired does depend on a number of things. Are you recently retired? What is your age? Are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? And I would be concerned about how you're invested now. But as a general rule, when you retire, within two to five years of retiring, you need a plan. So if you're already retired, now is a good time to meet with someone to know things like, how much can you withdraw from your retirement accounts? How long will my money last? Are there any health concerns? So when we're working with pre-retirees and retirees, we analyze their current holdings to determine the risk level that they're currently in. In other words, how they're invested now. And what we find, we find this most of the time, Phil, 
over 90% of the time, and that's probably a low figure, we find people have much more risk in their portfolios than what's necessary. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know? yeah. In other words, they can actually drop that risk way down even for the same returns. So then the question is, is there a more prudent way to invest in retirement and reduce risk? Well, the answer is yes, but it's important to know through an analysis and a consultation a few of the important things about investing. We have this motto at our firm and we always say, you do not need to know everything about investing, but some of the important things you do need to know. So then you could be educated about your current style of investing and understand some of those important things and then reach a decision on risk. But some of the considerations are how much can you withdraw each year? And from what account if you have multiple accounts? What are the taxes? Will this last me all of my retirement? What about Social Security? When is the best time to take that? Do you have a pension? You see, retirement income is not to be taken lightly. If you don't know the answers to these questions or if you decide to withdraw just on an as-needed basis as you go, then there's a danger because you're guessing and you can't afford to guess in retirement, not if your money's supposed to last you 25 to 35 years. So give us a call at 815-399-9806. Speak to us. We're retirement income professionals. Our consultations are no charge. But the question is how much risk that you're asking. There's, there's many factors to consider beyond just market risk. Oh, Barb, one of the questions, you know, you and I will ask a class when we're doing teaching at the schools is why do you invest in the, in the market? Why invest in the market? Make and, a lot uh, of money. Yeah, that's the response because to make more money. Well, well, for what reason? Why are you making more? Why do you need to make more money? Why not just put it in the bank and, you know, get it zero 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 point one percent or something? And so, uh, well, you invest in the market to offset one particular type of risk. And it's a risk that's always been with us. It'll always be here with us. It's a risk that's even greater than the market risk itself. And that is the risk of inflation. The risk that your money will, in fact, deplete its value over the years. And so, you, you want to invest in such a way that you are north or you make more money than that, that particular risk. So, if inflation risk is, let's say, inflation is 3%, 4%, whatever time period we're talking about here, Barb, you need to have a return in the market or a return in your investments that's greater than that inflation risk because you have to keep up with the cost of goods and services as they go up due to inflation over the years. Plus taxes. Taxes too. That's a biggie. That, that is, yeah. that's a huge risk. Yeah. And it's so important. We've talked about this before too, how in early stages of retirement, you really have to have your money growing because when you get to be in your late 80s, the distribution that's required at that time after 70 and a half, but you don't really start to see such a huge uh, distribution that's required until your late 80s. Your money has to grow for at least a good 15 to 20 years in, this, in the market. It does. Well, Phil, that, that 0.001% uh, interest rate doesn't seem like a good idea. I know that much. <laughs> probably, uh, probably not. Neither uh, is 2% for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Well, Norm, that was a great question, though. That is something you need to be asking as you head into retirement risk is uh, very important to be considering once you make that transition. So thank you for that question. Our next question comes in from Helen, who asked this. My husband's military pension is a very nice monthly benefit, but after he dies, I don't get a penny of it. In retrospect, this was a mistake, but it's nothing we can change now. So how do we address this problem moving forward? Yeah, Ben, I'll address that one since I'm a veteran and uh, we've actually talked to a lot of veterans about this very issue. And so actually, Helen, uh, it's not as grim as what you might think. Uh, there is a possibility that you could draw something called a survivor's pension through the Veterans Administration. This pension benefit is a tax-free monetary benefit payable to an unmarried surviving spouse and or 
an unmarried child dependent of a deceased veteran with wartime service. Now, they don't have to actually have served in a war, but they uh, had to be in on active duty during the time of war. So here are some of the eligibility requirements, Helen, that you should consider. Number one, your spouse must have served on active duty before September 7th, 1980, for at least a 90-day period of time, of which one day was during a wartime period. So for myself, my service started June 9th, 1974, and I was active duty for more than 90 days during the Vietnam War, even though I never served in Vietnam. So I may be considered eligible for this either veteran's pension, which is another topic in and of itself we don't have time to discuss, or my wife would be eligible for a survivor's benefit. Number two, the pension benefit is a means-tested type approach where they consider both the income and the net worth of the potential recipient. As an example, a surviving spouse could get an amount of between $9,200 and up to $18,000 per year. There is a net worth cap of $129,094 in 2019, and that excludes any type of equity in a home or contents. So these calculations and your eligibility can be accessed at the VA website, and that's va.gov pension. Or here's another more convenient way to do it. Contact the local veterans assistance officer in the area. A lot of these people are volunteers. They're volunteering their time. They're either retired or doing this as a voluntary service for the community. They are very informative, and they've actually uh, helped many of our clients to access their either veterans pension or survivor's pension under the rules. Now, in the absence of eligibility, you will have other sources of income that you should consider, such as your husband's Social Security, which could be substantially more than yours. You could also consider adding to an existing IRA. So if you and your spouse are still currently working, you could add to your IRAs, add to your 401ks or your savings, but also make sure that your beneficiary designations are up to date, as well as your estate plan. So if you have any questions about this topic, please give us a call at our office. Very true about a beneficiary designation. It's very true. You know, uh, that's a good point as far as the Social Security, because if, I don't know if you've taken it yet, Helen, either you or your, or your husband, but if you haven't, that could be a big help to you. And, you know, if he hasn't taken his yet and he waits, waits until age 70, well, then he's got the highest benefit, which will then be there in turn for you when he passes on. But you also could have, you also have a benefit whether you didn't work or, or not from his social security. So you're entitled to what's called a spousal benefit. And uh, I would certainly check into both of those options. Like you were saying too, Phil, I agree as far as saving, because I'm a big saver anyways. So I, that my first thought was, can any of his pension be saved? Mm-hmm. So then at least right now, while he's alive, he could systematically invest that and then you know start to save some money for her. Yeah, it's a very generous program, but uh, at the same time, you know, if that particular veteran retiree passes on, there's nothing for the surviving spouse. So you have to plan for that inevitability. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great information. And I didn't realize that, that about you, Phil. So thank you for uh, your service. Appreciate oh, that. Sure. Mm-hmm. I uh, hope that answered your question, Helen. We will put a link in the show notes, though, for you, that va.gov slash pension. So in case you missed that or you want to get an easy access to that, check out the show notes uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast or on the website at pathfinderwealth.com, and that'll take you right to that site so you can get more information. Our next question comes from Confused in Rockford. So they didn't want to put their name on this one, but let's see what they have to say. I'm a little overwhelmed by how many accounts we have. We've moved around to a lot of different jobs. I think between my wife and I, we have six 401ks, three IRAs, two Roth IRAs, two small pensions, 
a 403B, and then some individual stocks and whatnot. And a pension and a parachute. <laughs> exactly. It's perfect yeah. for uh, right around Christmas time. It's getting hard to manage. And I don't even know what we're invested in in all those accounts. So how much do you think we can consolidate and how will all that even work? That's making my head spin just to think about all those accounts that they have. <laughs> well, the first question is, are you retired? It's not something that we can answer in a short podcast, but the question's a good one. So first of all, how are all of these accounts invested now? Are they stocks and bonds, mutual funds? Are they annuities? Are they invested in those particular sources in IRA accounts and 401k accounts because that determines the taxation? But speak to a retirement planner and bring in those statements. I would suggest an analysis of all your holdings. So how much money do you need in retirement? In other words, what are your monthly expenses? That's going to be the driver of your retirement, and it's also going to determine how best to invest your money. I would likely recommend some consolidation, as you may want to simplify things in retirement, especially when it comes to your required minimum distribution time, which is age 70 and a half. You are not going to want to have to deal with all of those accounts. But what that consolidation would look like, I wouldn't know without an analysis. Taxes would be a consideration most definitely. Individual stocks are taxed more efficiently than IRAs. Annuities are taxed at ordinary income and uh, Social Security. So your most recent statement, you would need to see what that looks like. Well, call and schedule an appointment because we're available and we would sit down and we would just have a general conversation about you and your family and your goals. That's kind of where it starts with us. It sounds like you don't have an advisor. I might be wrong, but that's kind of what it sounds like. And if that's true, well, then you've got some homework ahead of you. But determine, first of all, if you like this person. You know, when people come in to see us, Phil, I mean, it's a mutual, you know, get to know you, want to get to know one another. Yeah. And we have to have yeah. the mutual respect for one another and feel like we can work with each other for a period of time. Yeah, good, forward. good chemistry. Good chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and determine if you can trust that person. You know, are they a fiduciary? In other words, are they acting in the best interest of you, not themselves? And could you spend your retirement with this person's guidance? So after meeting with an advisor a few times, you're going to know if you would like to work with them. But this is a very good question. And these are some of the things that we teach in our retirement planning courses. And we teach those locally at the NIU campus in Rockford and Rock Valley College. Give us a call for our upcoming schedule because we have a pretty full schedule of these classes uh, the first quarter of this next year. We do. And I have a great example of what we're talking about here, Barb and Ben. Recently, somebody came into the office that they had 12 different accounts. And these were multiple accounts for trusts, IRAs, 401ks. And I asked the person the question, you know, why do you have so many different accounts? And their response was to be better diversified. Well, that makes sense uh, until we started to look underneath the hood and look inside the engine, so to speak, the compartment of the engine, and find out what those investments actually held. And we found out that, that there was the same stock in each of those mutual funds in each of those 12 investments. In other words, they were, there was a tremendous amount of overlap. So instead of having one stock in one particular fund, we had it in 12. So you talk about excess trading fees, cost management fees, everything else that goes along with it, they weren't actually diversified. They were under-diversified for what they really needed because they were missing a lot of the asset classes that really we have identified where the returns really come from. But they were over-diversified in these huge uh, large cap positions which were the most risky places to be. And we see that a lot. They're they're confusing diversification with a lot of stuff. So what we do is we help educate people on the right kind of diversification. 
So a lot to consider uh, with that, but consolidation is probably a good idea. A lot, a lot, a lot, lot to try to manage there uh, for yeah. Confused in Rockford. All right, final question out of the mailbag today comes from Warren, and he asks, because of a mutual friend, I have the opportunity to work with an advisor who works primarily with people who invest $5 million or more. I don't have nearly that much, but I'd love to get the advice of such a big-time advisor. Would you agree this is a great opportunity for me? Wow. I, I guess, Ben, uh, he really has found the guru here, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, first, uh, Warren, let me help clear up a misconception about success as an investor. You know, if the investment is structured properly, you have to realize that the returns do not come as a result of the advisor's brilliance or even the research that his firm does, but from the market itself. After all, investment people do have bad days. You know, an investment expert or an advisor could be, you know, have a medical thing going on, something in his family could be getting divorced, they'll have bad days and they're going to make mistakes. You know, they're going to retire eventually and, and then die. Then who's going to service your account at that point? So it's dangerous to think that all your success is dependent on one guru, one guy or gal. That's dangerous. That's really dangerous. Now, that being said, high net worth clients do have access to opportunities that the smaller investor doesn't have. And the typical example is investing with something called a hedge fund. To invest with such a company or a hedge fund, you must be what's called an accredited investor, uh, which means you have to have at least a million dollars of net worth. And sometimes you're required to plop down a million dollars into the investment. That's the entrance fee to that particular investment. Now, the advantage is high returns require high risk. Okay, that's you're going to get high returns because you have high risk. But the disadvantage is high returns require high risk. Okay, so well, that's a disadvantage. And as the saying goes, there ain't no free lunch in life. So you have to be aware of the fact that there's a lot of risk involved in these sophisticated hedge fund type of investments. Also be aware that a hedge fund does not fall under the scrutiny and regulation of the Securities Act of 1933, which was really put in place to protect the investors. You know, at Pathfinder, we promote the concept of evidence-based investing which is a time-tested, academically sound approach designed to give consistent returns over given periods of time. Most importantly, it guards against speculating and gambling with your money and with all of its downside risk. You know, if you happen to have one bad year in the uh, hedge fund, it might take you many years to make up for that loss. You know, so whether you have $100,000 or $20 million, basically this evidence-based investing approach is the most prudent and successful that we have found. And so our motto is, Get rich slowly. There you go. Yeah, then the thing to remember too, Warren, is larger portfolios have larger downsides. And so when you think of hedge funds, I mean, that's just strictly, that's just a lot of risk. So, but when I think of someone that says not nearly that much, he says he doesn't have nearly that much, Mm. that can mean different things to different people. So are you talking about a million dollars? Are you closer to $3 million? But my thoughts are that anytime that you can listen to someone successful, do it. I mean, if he can teach you something to where you can, you know, eventually have that size of a portfolio, you'll surely walk away with some knowledge you didn't have before. You can always learn something. But, you know, it's funny because I meet with people from time to time that say, you know, I just don't have very much money before we meet with them and, you know, get to knowing them and, you know, working with sessions with them. And and yet what we find is it's enough money for them and their lifestyle and retirement. They've got plenty of money, but they can they can yes. have a million, they can have three million and to them. It's not a lot of money. So and that, that must just come from comparison. Yeah, I, I have to remind another one of my clients that has about $3 million of, of investable assets that you are a wealthy person. 
oh, I'm not that wealthy. I, you know, I, I don't have that much money. Well, you know, you really do. I mean, it's enough to take care of all your needs, like Barb says. And so it is a matter of perspective. Yeah, but they're in the still, still in the top 3% of the, of the entire population. Absolutely, they are. Absolutely. They're really blessed. Absolutely. Well, I'd even say, Warren, you got a great opportunity here, if you're listening to the podcast, to contact Barbara and Phil as well. Pathfinder Wealth Management can also meet all of your needs. And uh, if you're looking for an advisor, uh, that's where you need to start. But appreciate the question and, and thank you for listening to the podcast. And thanks for everyone for sending in the question. You can continue to do so over at pathfinderwealth.com. You can also call Barbara and Phil at 815-399-9806. When they have some questions they uh, they really like, thought was we're interesting. They'll also bring them on the show and we'll, we'll ask them here and provide that information for you as well. But thanks to everybody for listening this year. And, uh, you know, as we close out 2019, congratulations to you two uh, as well on us another successful uh, year. Thank you very much, Ben. We wish everybody a happy new year out there too. Yes. Thank you. So that'll do it for us here on the podcast in 2019, but we'll be back for another episode uh, to start the new year. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen. We'll be there with another episode coming soon. So thanks for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. We'll talk to you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.